encountering challenges, making decisions, confronting struggles, and better understanding the reasons for polarizing positions are but a part of being engaged in our nation's ability to discuss and advance towards a more inclusive and fair society. However, there is no set formula to achieve these objectives. And this video presents listeners with 30 minutes of thought-provoking discussions on relevant issues we face as a nation. Bienvenido, mi gente. Welcome, everyone, to this new episode of your favorite podcast, El Desvío. Many roads, one destination. We are your hosts, Jose Valgas and Andrea Arenas. For the next half hour, we will talk about what's on everyone's mind and especially on their TV screens. Si se pudo, pero now what? That's right, Jose. It's been a rough couple of weeks for the country. Well, longer than that, but November 3rd has sure opened several cans of worms. As we have seen, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have legitimately won both the popular vote and the Electoral College. Yet the current president will not concede. So let's get started and introduce our first two guests who will be speaking about this election cycle, its results, and what is at stake. With us today, we have Randy Weingarten, president of the American Federation of Teachers, and Bob Martinez, international president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Bob, for joining us today. Randy. Americans have turned out and voted in record numbers in this historic election. As the president of one of the nation's most prominent unions, AFT, what do you think is at stake this election cycle, especially as it intersects with the educational field? Hi, Lakla. I want to thank you for having me on during these momentous and unprecedented days for our country. Joe Biden is a person of great decency, strength, knowledge, and compassion. And I believe Joe Biden will deliver on his promises to make things better for those who struggle and strive, those who educate our children and care for our patients, and educate and care for our communities. He and Kamala Harris will fight for the promise of a better future for all. And ultimately, I'm so, so, so excited that as the count continues, we see the trend in Joe Biden being elected, and we see that, that ultimately he will be elected with the largest popular vote in the country's history um, and with a significant vote and share of the Electoral College. I'm hoping that Donald Trump will see the writing on the wall and rather than having days and weeks of um, him continuing to undermine the democracy, um, that he will recognize um, the voters' will and will um, um, be um, and understand that and help in this kind of transition. So look, there's a lot at stake. Um, Joe will be sworn in as the United States president in the midst of multiple crisis, a pandemic, a reckoning with racism, or a long-term needed reckoning with racism, a climate crisis, and an economic recession. And ultimately, given where the country is and who Joe is, I believe he has a shot to be one of the most consequential presidents um, of our lifetime. The public schools um, should be and can be the center of not only a healing process, but a, re a restoration process, a revival process, um, particularly 
um, in the aftermath of the chaos and confusion and division and um, ultimate undermining and defunding of public schooling and public services that we've experienced at the hands of Donald Trump and Betsy DeVos. So what, why am I so excited about this? Look, I am so excited about this because I think education is the key to addressing the challenges before us, growing our economy, restoring the kind of physical, mental, and social well-being that our kids desperately need, and building a more equitable, just, and civically engaged country. And I think that um, Joe Biden is well positioned to do this and to use education in this way. And I think that's where his heart, Dr. Biden's heart, and Kamala Harris's heart is. They understand the importance of education in this regard. And I believe that they will do everything in their power to align federal policy with the need of kids and, and fight like hell to get us the resources that we need to actually drive this policy. Um, all of these things were really important before COVID, but the reality is in, in the aftermath of COVID, um, we are gonna need this, that we've seen, you know, the, the COVID has exposed the, um, COVID has ex exposed and exacerbated the inequalities of America. Think about it. Public schools were underfunded before and buildings were crumbling before. And look what has happened. The crumbling nature of the buildings, the fact that the buildings were not well ventilated is part of the reason that they have been um, slow in so many different places to be able to have in-school instruction. I can't believe it's taken COVID for people to realize the importance of ventilation in buildings, just like it's taken COVID for people to realize the importance of making sure we have childcare and making sure that we're all connected through the internet. Um, but ultimately, before one can address any of the nation's priorities, um, uh, you ha we have to get coronavirus under control. And that will require a federal response that's totally lacking in the Trump administration. And it requires funding, funding that thus far Mitch McConnell's Senate has refused to provide. The Biden transition team is already at work on plans to reduce virus spread, to ensure vaccines are safe, to implement basic virus control measures that scientists have long begged for, to have a national system for testing and contract tracing, contact tracing, targeted closures when necessary, and the promotion of mask wearing as a patriotic act. And I believe that Joe, and, and I know that Joe will fight for a COVID relief package with robust aid to state and local governments and local school districts to help our schools, as well as helping our small businesses, as well as helping with food insecurity and helping um, those those who are on the, um, who have been unemployed with extension of the uh, CARES unemployment efforts. Um, we need to actually help people as we're watching COVID rates explode. This is not, it's a false choice to say it's the economy versus um, keeping people safe. Keeping people safe will assist in reopening the economy and in reopening schools. Frankly, things are so dire that according to Moody's, the state budget shortfall from 2020 to 2022 could reach about $434 billion, which is more than the entire 2019 K-12 education budget for every state combined. And what will happen um, as we're seeing that um, 
that the Democrats, you know, may, um, you know, that, that, that the Democrats have not won as many seats in the Senate as, as we had hoped that they would if Mitch McConnell continues with his obstruction attitude, what will happen? We will see class sizes surge, early childhood be gutted, disadvantaged students disproportionately black and brown will be deprived of the supports that we need. And so we need to fight um, as hard as we can, as, as much as we could to get Joe Biden elected. We're gonna need to keep those fighting shoes on and, and to, to deal with issues like COVID relief and the other kinds of pro-worker, pro-family, pro-justice, pro-healthcare, pro-public education policies that are absolutely essential for our country to um, recover. Bob, how do you feel about the work done by unions and your union in respect to voter turnout? And what do you think is at stake this election cycle when it comes to jobs, workers' rights, and an inclusive economic recovery? First of all, I am so proud of all of our members and every American for going to the polls in record numbers. Despite a pandemic and deliberate attempts to suppress our vote, more Americans voted in this election than in any time in American history. That is testament to the labor movement and organizations like LACLA who have mobilized to turn out the vote and now count every vote. Our members went to the polls because they know that our lives and our livelihoods are at stake in this election. The very right to vote is at stake. The right to health care is at stake. The right to work safely with personal protective equipment is at stake. The right to form a union and engage in collective bargaining is at stake. And so many other things vital to our democracy are at stake, like the truth, like believing in science too and creating a plan to combat COVID-19, which has killed over 230,000 people in our country, like restoring our credibility and leadership throughout the world. The Trump administration has ignored our and our members' demands for help as thousands upon thousands have been thrown out of work due to rampant offshoring. Critical economic relief for workers has been abandoned by Trump, just like he abandoned the fight against COVID. This election is about kicking someone out of the White House who calls Hispanics criminals, tears kids from their parents at the border, and puts them in cages. And it is about putting someone in the White House who understands the pain of losing a job and the courage it takes to leave your home and come to America, the land of freedom and opportunity. That's right. It's important to recognize the courage that it takes for immigrants to leave their country, come here with the hopes for a better future. Thanks, Bob. Randy, what do you think is the most important issue that the incoming administration will have to address in order to live up to its campaign promises? I think that we're, you know, what we've seen on the one hand is the extreme polarization of the country um, and that there was very little ticket splitting, maybe with the exception of the Susan Collins race, 
Um, and you see that polarization in the country and we have to do, we have a lot of work ahead of us um, as LACLA, as AFT, to, um, to deal with this level of polarization and division, including um, the, um, uh, the failure to acknowledge the difference between fact and fiction, um, and which is really, really, really scary and is, is how fascism and autocracy start. The kind of fascism and autocracy that people in South Florida were so afraid of what, what they escaped from in Cuba and in, in Nicaragua in, in Venezuela, and yet um, through the ads um, thought that the Republicans um, uh, put on TV thought that the Democrats um, um, were um, doing the same thing. Those ads were wrong, they were malicious, um, but because of the extreme polarization in the country, those ads had an effect, which is why we saw the results that we saw in, in uh, Miami-Dade. We need to be able to have an environment where fact is fact and fiction is fiction, um, and that a president doesn't start, um, uh, um, doesn't every single day um, operate on lies and chaoses, chaos. So we have an extreme polarization in the country, but on the other hand, despite the worst pandemic in a century, there was record turnout, and Joe Biden received more votes than any other presidential candidate in U.S. history. So let's actually try to see if we can turn this page, and Joe has a really different vision for America. He has a vision where, um, where um, people will have access to good jobs and real opportunity, where unions will um, have a resurgence in organizing, where public education um, will have a renaissance, and where this will be, where, where the country will build back better, and we will have a better, a fairer, a more decent America that has, that, that has pathways for opportunity um, for everyone. So ultimately, um, thank you, Lakla, for all the work that you did. As you know, I traveled um, the country in our AFT votes bus for about 29 of the last, um, or you know, 29 of the last 35 days, um, and uh, we were honored to see people from all walks of life um, uh, who have real, um, who who want America to be better who want the American dream for their families. Um, and ultimately, that's what um, I think we will get with Joe Biden. Um, it's the work that we're committed to. Um, we're committed to fighting to make sure we have a civil discourse, regardless of who, you know, of, of the ideology that people have. And we're committed to making sure we have a more perfect union and a country that offers opportunity that offers justice, that offers liberty and equality for all. That's where we are, Lakla, and um, it's an honor to be able to work with you um, and to be able to see ourselves on January 20th, um, renewing our commitment to a more perfect union led by an effective, ethical, and empathetic administration um, that has been elected by the voters, more voters than any ticket in history, and who will operate um, understanding the will of the people 
um, who will listen to the people and respect the people rather than divide the people. Very important first steps. And as you note, the only way for us to move forward. Bob, what do you say to this? Currently, we are divided as a country, but we don't have to stay that way. I think we agree on more than we disagree on. Organizations like the IM and LACLA play a critical role in bringing people together. We mobilize around kitchen table issues like good paying jobs and the opportunity for all Americans, no matter what your race, class, national origin, or who you love. We will move forward as one union, one labor movement, and one nation towards healing our country and bringing jobs back home. We need to stop the lies and the misinformation that has been spread by these hate groups. They hide in cyberspace, and we need to shine the light on them every day. We also need to strengthen our work with our progressive allies, and we must continue to fight against discrimination in all of its ugly forms as we finally make true equality a reality in this United States of America. Working together as sisters and brothers under the trade union principles that we all cherish, I know at the end of the day, we will be successful. Thank you, Bob, for that important and most relevant message. Now, in order to come full circle and dive into a much needed analysis of the current situation, we are joined by our next guest. So today, Nina Maria Potts, currently, who currently serves as Director of Global News Coverage for Features Story News, which is an international broadcast agency with 34 bureaus globally, um, joins us for this podcast, El Desvio. Uh, FSN's, let's talk a little bit about FSN Feature Story News. Their correspondents report for a wide range of television, radio, and digital networks worldwide. This agency covers breaking news as well as features and documentaries for multiple locations in Asia, Europe, Africa, and the Americans. Additionally, Nina manages the organization's daily editorial output and oversees inter international deployments, news coverage, and features. Nina, we're honored to have you here today for this very important conversation. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. 8.6 million Latino working families sent their ballots in early, which has not always been the case in the Latino community. What do you attribute this to, Nina? And in your opinion, does this have a long-reaching impact as we prepare for subsequent elections? I think that's a very, very good question because obviously that had um, a clear sort of determining um, impact on this election. Um, I mean, it's worth probably just mentioning past elections that most mail and provisional ballots got counted in past US elections, but many didn't. Uh, so, you know, it's worth, I think, just dwelling on the fact that uh, the Republican accusation um, that this has been um, a question of electoral fraud, that the, the, the election has been stolen, um, that every, every vote uh, needs to be sort of transparently counted, and they kind of want to unearth and overturn every stone and, and look underneath it. 
Um, there have been elections in the past where not every vote was counted, but there were a record number, about 65 million votes overall that were cast via mail, uh, which is also, of course, known as absentee voting in this election. And um, the, the outcome of the actual presidential race in, in several key states came to those came down to those mail-in ballots. So um, I think, again, there was an assumption that um, people voted early um, and people who voted early uh, by mail um, did so because they were motivated to call for change, that this was um, a, a, a propulsion, it was a forward movement um, to try and call for change. So um, it, it did have a significant impact on the, on the outcome and certainly in the states that have been most hotly contested. Based on your reporting and in light of all the rhetoric coming from the current president and this White House, do you think and do you see that there might be a need um, to protect a country's democracy? And if so, how do you think people and even the legal system will go about it? Um. Well, I mean, it's a complicated question in some ways because we still haven't reached a conclusion and President Trump has not yet conceded uh, defeat. Uh, that's no surprise. President Trump uh, refused to accept the results even as the election day was playing out and he's insisted throughout the campaign that he's been a victim of a rigged and fraudulent election. He's launched multiple lawsuits. Um, several of those, by the way, have already been thrown out. But he still has the support of the majority of the Republican establishment, uh, congressional Republicans who've either overwhelmingly supported his position or they've just stayed silent. There have only been a handful of Republican senators who have acknowledged Joe Biden's victory. And we're seeing a situation now that is unprecedented, that we have two centers of power. We have Joe Biden, who has announced his coronavirus task force, um, basically, in Wilmington, Delaware, which is where his home is, and President Trump, who is very much ensconced in the White House, and no communication between the two. So there is none of that uh, traditional uh, willingness to uh, cooperate on a transition. Um, President Trump, essentially, uh, for in terms of the coronavirus, for the next 10 weeks, um, his sort of philosophy and approach to fighting the virus um, remains the same. And there's very little that President-elect Joe Biden can do about it. I think we should probably question what the outcome uh, has done for America's image overseas. Most foreign leaders have sent congratulatory messages to Joe Biden, um, but there have been exceptions. Uh, among them, uh, China, Russia, Brazil, and Mexico, their leaders have yet to congratulate Joe, Joe Biden. Um, and uh, that silence uh, it hasn't come as a complete surprise, but it does lend itself to the perception that the democratic process in America is still not done. And it has also taken people by surprise that uh, the process takes such a long time that the uh, current president has until January to essentially uh, execute some of his, his policies and uh, to... Uh, leave for for the Democrats perhaps uh, you know a slightly messy um, list a to do list uh, because he he will be pushing through his own, 
own agenda until January, but also how long it takes for votes to be counted, how long it takes for votes to be endorsed and certified. Um, so we're looking at a very bumpy 10 weeks. And um, I think this unprecedented situation of the current president refusing even to um, acknowledge uh, the outcome, really signaling uh, from the outset of election day that he was going to fight this in the courts uh, until at least December has left a very, very uncertain transition process um, in play. What are the implications of the international community of being skeptical even about our de democratic process, the counting of the votes? Are there implications? Well, if we dig down as to, you know, the, the leaders who have not congratulated Biden yet, um, the Kremlin has said that there will be legal proceedings that carry on um, and they won't issue a word of a congratulations until that legal process is over. Uh, Lopez Obrador in Mexico has also said that he can't con congratulate one candidate or the other, that he wants to wait until the electoral process is over. And we should note here that uh, the United States is Mexico's top export market. Uh, Bolsonaro's silence uh, also did not, not come as a huge uh, surprise. Um, I mean, there is also the fact that America's traditional allies have felt that President Trump was not really a foreign policy president. He was a very self-interested president and put his own national and personal agenda first. Um, and Biden's pledge that on the first day of taking office, he will rejoin the international community, the multilateral agreements that, that Trump basically extricated the US from, uh, like the climate change agreement, the Paris climate change agreement, uh, the WHO, uh, and various other international bodies, there has been considerable relief uh, to America's traditional allies that, that Biden is taking the helm. And in surveys in Europe, um, I think 75 of Brits, uh, British people said that they would have voted for Biden. 80% of French people said that they would have voted for Biden. So he's clearly in terms of uh, international engagement, uh, broadly seen as the right choice for America's, um, you know, uh, stepping up and stepping back into uh, the global, uh, the global stage. The problem for Joe Biden, and I think for the rest of the world is the somewhat gradual realization that this country is polarized, it's divided, but it's not just a small segment that's sort of somehow been spliced off. It's actually split down the middle. So that makes it quite difficult for Joe Biden to send a strong message to the outside world that um, his agenda uh, will remain intact, especially if his hands are tied behind his back uh, in the Senate. And let me ask you just one last question, if I can. There's a, there's a lot for us to learn, especially in the Latino community, about this election, uh, about how we organize and work together to accomplish um, the things that we think are vitally, critically important to our communities. Um, what do you see as the takeaways from this election for the Latino community? Well, I think realizing 
that this country has become increasingly divided, not less, is perhaps one of the biggest takeaways from this election, that the margins were as close, if not closer, than they were in 2016. And that split down the middle has been true of American politics for the last 20 years. It's only gotten worse. Um, so I do think that the message that Joe Biden has been projecting to the rest of the world, but also communities inside America, that he wants reconciliation, he wants healing, he wants to represent Americans that didn't vote for him uh, and bring a country that is uh, divided back together. He, you know, President Trump is perceived as having fueled racial divisions of, of inciting violence um, and triggering a summer of protests. Uh, because of his reluctance to distance himself from the far right. But in a way, that is too black and white a prism to look at America. I think in every single community that has been involved in politics and is looking out for its interests, there has to be a realization that your next door neighbor could be voting for the other side, that your next door neighbor legitimately feels that you know their interests matter, if not more than as much as yours. And, and I think that that spirit of graciousness, if Joe Biden can keep it up, is a spirit in which America probably, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that Americans, and you know, who am I to say I'm a foreigner in this country? So, you know, I don't want to sound as if I'm lecturing Americans as to how, you know, because we've seen the same thing with Brexit in the UK. Uh, you know, when, it, when a country is split in half, the ability to reach across the aisle and shake your neighbor's hand is incredibly important in terms of moving forward. The problem is that Joe Biden, uh, to some extent, represent, represents an old style politician. That's old school politics. He comes from a tradition of bipartisanship. Um, his whole MO for the last 48 years uh, on Capitol Hill has been to know every single politician, every single senator, and um, bring them along with him. The, the challenge for him is that America has profoundly changed. So for the Latino community, for the African-American community, for any community in America, I think just accepting the fact that we don't all see things the same way will be a huge step in the right direction. Thank you, Nina, for your analysis on the current political situation that our nation faces. Thank you, Nina, Randy, and Bob for joining us today and talking to us about where we stand as a nation, the challenges we face, and above all, for offering an alternative way of approaching issues. As we reach the end of this episode, let's think about what the moraleja is, what we have learned from this discussion, or better yet, what is the path we think we can take so that we can reach that one destination? Jose, after listening to our amazing guests, I think that today's moraleja is without the shadow of a doubt that in order to move forward and recover from this pandemic and all of its implications, we need to come together. I couldn't agree more. COVID-19 has taken the lives of more than 200,000 individuals across our country. Its ripple effect on the economy, unemployment, access to health care have all shed light on the dire circumstances that some communities face. We've heard from Bob, from Randy, and Nina that the polarization that we face as a nation will be perhaps the biggest challenge we will need to overcome in order to move forward. And with this, we have reached the end of our podcast. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to our guest, AFT's president, Randy Weingarten, and Bob Martinez, 
international president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, and Nina Maria Potts, director of global news coverage with Featured Storied News. Thank you all. And before we leave, let's just remind our listeners to follow us on social media at LACLA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and visit our website, www.lacla.org. Bueno, mi hermanas y mi hermanos, hasta la próxima podcast. Nos vemos pronto. Everyone stay safe.